0: Hello, and welcome to a brand new series that we're calling Our Journeys. This series is going to be a little bit different from the standard format. Each episode, I'm going to be interviewing a new guest where we will discuss their own mental health journey. This might range from what they were taught in school to sharing their own personal struggles. For our first episode, I have the pleasure of talking to Southampton alumni and Mr. Bean Channel Manager, Tom Brown. Hi, I'm Tom
1: Brown. Uh Another sort of former Southampton student. I'm sure you get a lot of those on here. And uh, <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm in London pursuing the sort of media dream. Uh, I'm currently working at uh, Endemol Shine Group, one of the biggest production companies in Europe. And I work in their digital team. Um, I have been since December. So I guess that's a sort of overall bio. Uh, <laughs> that's it. <sick. laughs> early, early 20s male. I feel so like that's the target <laughs> of, of this whole, whole podcast. So um, thanks for having me.
0: No, it's all right thank you for coming on um i i do want to point out as well something that i found out recently was that you're you're in charge of the mr bean youtube channel yeah uh
1: yeah um so there's actually like a million mr bean youtube channels okay um, so have, there's like the main one which is like ridiculously huge numbers but like it's like a team project and then there's smaller ones like i actually managed like a classic mr bean which is just the like original series and like a Mr. Be in Arabic, which is the classic series but about <laughs> Arabic subtitling and I have to do like Arabic descriptions and, <laughs> and Arabic like titles through Google Translate. So I hope it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and it's an absolute beast unto itself. Like I don't think I can go into like numbers, but like
0: yeah.
1: I'll like I'll tell you like off screen it's yeah. like crazy. Absolutely crazy. Like it's one <laughs> of the biggest channels on YouTube is mental
0: that's that's such a niche thing which i just wouldn't have mr bean classic in arabic
1: (laughs) yes literally like it's like there's only 14 episodes of mr bean Mm. and we post so like on one of our channels we post like three four times a week two hour compilations of just the same 14 episodes and like i had one go up last week that's got like a couple weeks ago like 14 million views and it's just like i don't understand what this is <laughs> or how it works but it's a thing that exists
0: <laughs> it's it's such universal comedy though you know what i mean like it's slapstick there's very little actual talking language yeah it feels like it's subtitled content but like there's only like
1: probably like an hour's of actual content in subtitling yeah. like <laughs> it's bizarre but yeah that's one that's part of my job
0: <laughs> so that's mad do you think that do you think that you ever growing up could have have could even fathom that that would be a job that was even possible for you to get into.
1: So I I, remember I had a job into at a different company for like a similar role, and they were like, yeah, it's a really weird role because it literally didn't exist five years ago. And it's like it's, that's just crazy to think that like my job just literally just didn't exist. Yeah. Like the idea of being a professional person that manages like YouTube channels and Facebook pages for like brands is mental. Like one of the other key parts of my job is is I manage the One Born Every Minute Facebook page. <laughs> like I remember watching that as like a teenager when I mean, it was on television yeah. I was like, now that's, yeah, that's my entire job. Like I'm in charge of all that content. It's yeah. just mental, absolutely bizarre. <laughs> that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. It's not this job. like you 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 tell someone like, yeah, I'm a
0: channel manager, and they're like, Oh, all right, what is that? And you go, well, <laughs> it's a little tricky <laughs> to explain. <laughs> so did that did that all come out of uh, university then? Is that were you given leads or did you kind of find, find your own so, way
1: there? Uh, originally I was going to do a masters which in broadcast journalism which I feel like is something that has become more and more common but like at the time it was like a few people had done it and um, due to a number of circumstances which we'll get into in a bit mm-hmm. that was no longer an option so I was like right I'm gonna just try and make my own way and see what happens and I sort of it and begged and eventually got an interview at uh, I had an interview at Global to be their YouTube channel manager. And that's when I first discovered what that job even was. I kind mm-hmm. of went, I did some YouTube, like TV, like I can make this work, right? And I did Serd Radio, like this is fine. And I managed to get like three rounds of interviews for that job. And then from that point on, I was like, well, I'm going to keep applying for these jobs because if I can get three rounds of interviews at Global, then surely that's going to get a foot in the door somewhere. Yeah. And then I did a year channel managing at Chelsea Football Club. Um, and I'm a Chelsea fan so that was a fantastic like <laughs> first <very> <laughs> job out of uni yeah. kind of mentor and then that was like a fixed term contract and then I ended up at end of I was like well this is clearly working so I'm gonna still keep doing it um, so I feel like I started off coming out of uni being like I'm gonna be a, like a content producer type person and now I've ended up in the sort of strategy and content handling side of the coin so the content production itself has become more of a hobby than a, than a job. Mm. But it's still, it's still a lot of fun. and still really interesting. So can't complain. <laughs> no,
0: it, it really sounds it. Um, yeah. well, we'll, we'll, um, we'll get into the sort of main bulk of, of what this is now then. And that's, mm-hmm. that's sort of, um, looking at your mental health journey. Um, mm-hmm. right. And I, 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 st- I started off this series and it was, it was actually going to be called our stories, but I think story mm-hmm. sometimes implies that there has to be this neat, sort of three act structure right where you're fine at the start and then you're not fine and you grow and you change and then you're fine again but yeah. I, I I do think that that's not really how mental health works and it can kind of it will always be a journey that that we're kind of constantly working our way through so you know as, as a disgustingly broad and open question what what <laughs> where does that journey start for you what was your
1: um to be honest I would say I, I was I mean I don't just, know. But from my point of view, I was quite late to the sort of mental health party, if it were. Like, I think I <laughs> I think, I think the first time the concept of it really sort of landed properly on my doorstep was um, when I was like 16, 17, like sort of end of GCSEs into sixth form type age. And I was just chatting with some of my friends and one of them was like, yeah, I'm on like antidepressants. And I just was like, to me, it was a kind of thing that, was what like 40 year old adults go through when the life stress is like like that midlife crisis type Mm. mentality or if you had real major loss or something in your family that you end up putting this like depression in and that's kind of in my head it was just like oh it's just like sad but really sad yeah and hearing one of your friends who's just you one of you that hasn't had any major issues or somebody being like yeah like I've not been okay and I've talked to my mum and dad and they've helped me get help type thing. so that's the first time I was like oh like this is something that happens to anyone like at any point and oh my god could it happen to me like you have all these like different thoughts and then almost once you realize it's a thing you then start noticing it in people and start noticing it in yourself like even in like minor ways like you know so it's like that one guy in your friendship group who used to really chat to you now it's a bit quieter and that kind of stuff you start noticing there's more nuances when it's even like when it's thrust in front of you so like I think you said before like you, I think some people come across it like this in a tv show where a mental health is a topic or like someone in their family like, that was like my experience of it it kind of got thrust into my friendship group into my immediate circle and I was suddenly like, like oh shit like, this is a thing <laughs> mm. yeah so that's like the start really and then I never really personally experienced it for a, a long time which is like I count my blessings that that was mm. the case. Like, I had friends and girlfriends, the rest of that, had issues with mental health, and I learned more from listening than experiencing. And I was very much felt. And it's probably what influenced me later down the line. I've always was used to almost hearing other people's and wanting to be the one that helped. To the point that when it did like happen to me, I didn't un- believe my own experience mm. because I'd had so many others that, to me, were worse. And so I was like, well, they're the ones that needed the help, not me. Yeah. And then that kind of then uh, mentality caused me to have a lot of issues once I got to university. And that's when I, my personal sort of mental health journey really started. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I think, I think especially for so many people, it feels like a taboo. It's absolutely changing. That's fantastic. But I think especially hmm. sort of five to 10 years ago when sort of we were going through uh, secondary school it was still it still kind of had that taboo and people were talking mm. about it and I think I had maybe one PSHE lesson about it
1: yeah there was, there was like, like a school I think our school had like a counselor that came in like on a Tuesday lunchtime yeah. every two weeks and you could go see them But everyone was like well why would I do that when everyone knows that if I walk in towards that class uh-huh. then everyone knows and I'm like, well, what's, yeah. like, what's wrong with him like, like <laughs> that kind of thing. especially with like, I think like having that all-boys school mentality yeah um, so I went to South London all-boys grammar there was an element of like playground banter had no limits almost. Mm-hmm. So if you did know someone who was, you would almost think, well, that's a weakness that then could be picked on or that kind of thing. So I think that's why the first time I heard it was when you got to like sixteen, seventeen. At that point, you're like, I don't really care what people think about me in this yeah. school. Like I've got yeah. my savage friends, and that's when I think when it, when it starts coming out a bit more. So it was definitely like yeah. a sort of half taboo, almost internalised taboo rather than like a public taboo at that
0: point. Yeah. And I think, I think when it then does become a part of your life, it can, it can kind of go from this thing, which you get told about, but only really the most extreme cases mm. to them being like, okay, it's a, it, it's a real thing. And and especially when you're taught it in school or, or uh, when it shows up on TV, it's very much the extremes. It's people who mm. shut themselves away in their room for months and they're, you know, uh, um, self-harming and stuff like that. And so mm. it kind of, there's almost a disconnect between the uh, reality for a lot of people um and then and then kind of seeing that in your own life and then uh, yeah I think that's really interesting the idea that once you recognize that you start to spot the nuances perhaps in 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 other people yeah. I think for a
1: long time it's like you get depressed and you either get help or you die and it's like it's like you said like there's extreme like yeah. nature to it it's like oh god like well then if I just feel a bit sad someday, that can't be that because that's not gonna yeah. lead to like this extreme thing. Yeah. Like you said, you, you, there are so many different levels to it that you don't even recognize for so long.
0: Mm. So you, you, um, you had this friend then, and did you find that uh, your friendship group were then a little bit more comfortable talking about their own mental health?
1: Uh, yeah, like I think no one reacted badly to like him coming out and saying like, oh, have like, been struggling. Mm. um but i don't think i don't recall anyone else then being like yeah me too i mean there's just a lot sort of like yeah we're here for you like yeah. no worries man like we'll chill but then no one really was that open immediately i think now mm. we're all more open about because like generally society like, society's a bit more yeah. but at the time i think everyone was still quite like that was bold of him to say mm. and everyone else was a little bit like either they were fine like me because i didn't say anything because i was like at the time i was like oh i'm objectively fine mm. well that might be the case for everyone else so um we were quite open, more about like the sort of stress side of mental health, like the high. There's a lot of, like exam pressure of being at like the school we were at. So I think a lot of people were quite open about like struggling on that front. Less about like the emotional mental health, I guess. Mm.
0: And uh, so the, the the people that you found yourself helping, then your girlfriends or friends and stuff like that. What mm. how did you uh, what did you, what do you think you learned from helping from the outside, as it were?
1: Mm. I think it's difficult because like I don't think at any point. I'm going to come around and be like, yeah, I was this like mental health saviour. Like, I don't know that was a mentality at all, yeah, it was more yeah. like learning, than helping. I think at some point. like there was that, encourage- was like learning encouragement more than helping maybe is a better like phrasing of it. Like mm. I was learning so much by having that sort of first hand look into like everyday mental health and the understanding of like the process behind it and stuff. So then as life went on and more friends came to me with issues, I knew where to signpost to, where to like, the right ways of handling those situations and stuff, which I might not have had if, at no point in my life had that happened before. Like if someone came to me and it was like an extreme case, i might you maybe a bit more like, whoa, what do I do here? And I felt like by the time I was like, into uni and out of uni, and people came to me at that point, I was more prepared to be like, right, I know X, Y, Z, I know the process, I know the right place, the right number to give, or the right person to push them towards, like, I started, became more of like a, a hub of, Knowledge then in, in part rather
0: than yeah. the, the like a sort of life. learned response.
1: Yeah, like I
0: knew from experience,
1: like when I had like a sort of catalogue of experiences, I knew like whereabouts in the scale that might be and and, and and what was the appropriate response and the right way of managing situations and stuff. Hmm. So I think it was really useful in terms of learning about mental health and learning how to help people without having to be like their sort of unaff- unauthorized counsellor being like, yeah. being able to give them the right help. And um, that all led to like a few months ago, um, my job getting the opportunity to do a mental health first aid course that was really interesting and really eye-opening and made you realize that oh maybe something's i didn't quite handle correctly or, yeah oh that knows all the right thing to do and um the idea of like mental health mental health first aiding i think it's something done in every business i, I agree Along, like, i've never heard of it before and it was like initiative i was like
0: that's a like, cracking idea yeah. like really good i just as a as a quick aside we did like actual first aid at my school We did Mm -hmm. a first aid course and I just think something like, you know, if if they were to do mental health first aid in school, I just think that'd be invaluable because especially in, so I had a sort of similar experience to you. A lot of my time in school, I I spent trying to be there for people and trying to help Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, you can't help but sort of want to be the person who who fixes people, right? Like in in Mm -hmm. quotation marks and but like the, the you know the fact of the matter is as a 16 17 year old 17, even like 20 has, 22. yeah but like as, as as with no professional training or experience <laughs> or even any teaching about mental health so, beyond like wow it sucks doesn't it yeah it's, it's is it's just wildly uh, inaccurate to assume that you could help and but, mm-hmm. but you know then there's there's um you know you might feel like a failure for not helping and i think mm-hmm. um yeah, even just some like a mental health first aid training to understand mm. this is, these are the, you know, this is the spectrum and mm. this is what the, re, the the response should be. And actually, there are people professionally trained who are so much better at this <laughs> than you will be. Yeah.
1: I just, I think sometimes like the sort of point they got across in this like course is very much like sometimes people need just like that, that moment of someone just taking their hand, mm. hand them off to someone who can actually give them that fresh help and like, the idea of it is as a mental health first aid is that you are a point of contact to then chat to them and be supportive but then guide them towards the relevant help which is actually an important stuff I think I know so many people including myself it was just like no I can't go to like my GP about this it's not that's like that's so extreme I'm not mm-hmm. like that and you almost need someone to be like no mate you you, you do need maybe a little bit more help yeah. than what you're currently getting
0: and I think which is a difficult
1: be- conversation for sure.
0: Yeah. And, and it can be, I think, but yeah, I, I think the way I would explain it is you, as a mental health first aider, you can kind of validate that um, need to go to, to, to someone, a, a GP or a professional or, or a therapist, you can kind of be there to be like, it's okay. Cause especially when it's internalized, you're like, well, am I that bad? Am I taking up someone else's time? Like are there are people that worse also need help yeah. But to kind of have that voice to bounce off. And then for someone who, you know to, to actually then go no it's okay like you do need this and mm. you 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 deserve this like it's yeah it's not even oh you're so bad you need it it's you you deserve this you deserve to be happy mm. um, but yeah so you so um you you were then gonna go into talking about university um, yeah
1: university i think was like the, the time that i first experienced it like in my own sort of head my own mental health um and it was such a, com- I think mean, the problem I had was it was such a slow burn that I never really noticed that it got mm-hmm. to a point that was unmanageable. Like I moved into halls and my flat was like not the usual like hall experience where like you have this like flat of seven people that immediately become like your friendship group. Mine went in like seven different directions. So I struggled immediately to find, like I made some really good friends, like two floors above me, the flat opposite. But like it still got to the point when I went into my flat, I just went into my room and was, mm. that was it. And I relied a lot on like playing PlayStation with my mates from home and, and that kind of thing it was like my social group. I, like I joined the American football team and then like immediately got injured, so I never really got into that social group. Mm-hmm. So I, I went from having like a really good core group of friends at home to then going to university and being like perennially on the outside. Mm-hmm. And then in hindsight looking back at it, I was like, that's probably where it started. I started feeling a bit isolated and a bit lonely, and then being like, now nah, after uni, like some people get that friendship group, and some people just don't find it yet, and it then got compounded because where my flat. it was seven different directions then when it came to like second year houses i had to jump on just a bunch of like randoms and then again i was like just in my room going to campus going back to my room um and the media societies is where that really changed because that's when i got my social group and and things that was like the the bit where i started looking up but i remember that sort of second semester first year to first semester second year was the first time i really experienced bad mental health because i would go to campus come home sort of sit in my room go home, and i had this real right of a cycle where I was like I don't have any friends am I really enjoying my course am I like enjoying university has it just all gone wrong have I made a mistake Like, if i had been in a different flat would things be better and now is it all just going down the hill because I had the worst possible start and would I ever recover so I think that's when I first had a bout of like bad mental health where I just felt like my personal value was low like I don't have a friendship group I don't have a direction I don't have and I was like grasping onto different moments, like I became so invested in trying to be like the best halls president I could be, just to have some kind of semblance of like a, a community to latch on to. And then when I joined the media societies, it was a, a bunch of like third years. And I was like the only really, real first year I saw and I was like, oh, I'm still not getting this connection. I was still like felt like I was in between groups. And it was never I'd never experienced that like from primary school, I had a real good group of friends so secondary school had a real good group of friends. And then university I was like I've moved miles away and yeah. There's no support structure, and it's the first time I just felt alone, mm. and that's such a a moment of like, in at the time you're like, oh, it's just uni, but in hindsight you're like, no, you were like not okay, mate. Like mm. you were you were real struggling, and I think then I then got into like a really good group of friends and a new relationship, and then I, I had a moment where it was a sort of summer of between second and third, and I went, I feel just taller and lighter and mm. happy, and I went. And it was what I was I? was I depressed? Like, was, Mm. did I just completely not pick up any of the signals? And then because I didn't have anyone around me, no one else did. Mm. And he would just thought maybe I was just a grumpy guy in general or whatever. Mm. And I remember at this moment where I sort of went like a cathartic tweet thread, where I was like, just realized that I was depressed and (laughs) now I'm not. And it's completely changed my world view. And I'm like now realizing how easy it is to slip into these moments and how easy it is to like look out for your mates because I didn't have that. And then it went unchecked for so long, and it made me really become so aware of how subtle, and how quickly things can get bad. Because mm. I remember there was a point where I was just literally sat in my bedroom in second year. My I, I stopped caring about getting haircuts. I like stopped like caring about like what clothes I was wearing. And I was just like looking. I to look back at that moment when I was at this happy point. I was like, God, that is such a shift in dynamics. Mm. Which was really interesting because like I don't think it was ever like. Super bad, like that. That spell I had, that first spell I had, but it was really interesting to be able to be like hmm. that spiral so quick without me even being able to point out a moment where that went from being manageable to not manageable. And then I managed to then, so hmm. like I said, fell into a friendship group and things picked up, and it then went me being like actually okay and realizing I was depressed, and that's okay to realize that, and that's okay to acknowledge. And I think the reason I went on this like cathartic Twitter thread was to be like, I've had this moment i didn't realize if you're having this moment maybe you might realize now or maybe you might also mm. moment realize and realize how common this is and the whole idea of removing stigma and stuff so that was like my first experience of it and then yeah i took yeah. like, two major experiences that was the first
0: yeah, yeah that's 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 mm. really interesting and i think i think that's probably something which a lot of a lot of people can relate to especially coming to uni that it's, it's always built up as like this start yeah. of your life. you are got to go to your halls you're gonna, and you are got to
1: find like your group, like your in-between style group where you're all going to like
0: muddle in. and uh. Best mates for life. Yeah. And I think, I think that does, that does hit. I, I think that, I think a lot of people can take that really mm. tough, especially if you're moving away and your friendship group at home is split up and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that's, that's often a sign which, uh, goes quite unnoticed is that kind of re- re- uh, reclusing mm. yourself, becoming reclusive um, and sort of, because your room becomes this safe space where you can have protection and comfort. And so it is, it is preferable to going out and, and seeing other people. And, um, and then you can kind of get stuck in this uh, internalized logic. Um, is, is is the way that I like to explain it and because you're you know whenever you're making arguments with yourself in your head or whenever you're beating yourself down in your head or saying why you shouldn't go out or why you don't oh. deserve friends or whatever it's it's running on an internalized logic which means that it, it isn't being checked by any sort of oh. reality even if you yourself are an incredibly logical person uh by nature of the fact that it It doesn't exist objectively because you don't speak it out loud. It remains in your head. And so you can have these flawed loops, which, which when you say them out loud, make no sense, but you've got no one to bounce them off. So you've got no one to say that doesn't make sense. And so when you then find yourself talking to other people about it, even that's why I believe the, um, that's why I believe in the power of just talking about your problems because for a lot of them, and absolutely, this isn't the case. Of <laughs> every problem have. To <laughs> but Every problem, just talk about it. But um, when you when you verbalize it, and you you say it to someone, even the act of hearing yourself say those words, saying something like, "Ah, oh, um, uh, you know, they don't really want me to go out with them because they're just asking mm. me to be polite," uh, so I'll go, and they'll just leave me yeah. and ignore me. It's that that's that's insane logic. Why would anyone just invite like, someone out and make more than?
1: I've or... done my bit. I've invited the weirdo out. That's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, even the act of saying it out loud to someone, you can hear yourself, and all of a sudden, it then becomes a an objective. It it, it becomes it becomes an argument that exists in reality, and you can start to think about it critically. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that then linking this back to the the, the first bit I was talking about is then when you recluse yourself and, and you draw yourself away from those situations, it is, it's like that vicious loop that you were talking mm. about in that you, you aren't seeing people and then you're kind of stuck in this in this rut and you stop you know caring about yourself and, and um, yeah it, it's kind of that vicious loop um, which I do, think, I do think is more common mm. than people uh, talk about um, because by nature of the fact of being reclusive see, people don't yeah, see to call you. Out, um, yeah.
1: I mean that's why like this yeah. idea of you've seen so many campaigns of just like checking in your mates <clears throat> like checking in your friends and stuff it's such a big deal and I think sometimes you like last just doesn't make sense because, like obviously I attacked my mates and that's fine but like it's only yeah. when you I think you hear stories like like I was saying or, or more extreme versions of like those people who didn't have someone checking in them, and, and it goes unchecked and then that's when you get into like dangerous territory it can really like escalate mm-hmm. um so it's why I'm, like, I'm always happy to share that kind of experience because it's like, it's like the anti-union experience of, like, you go to union, you don't fall into a bunch of friends, and you, you are a bit, like, that's okay. Like, things, mm. there are ways to deal with that. And things do get better. Mm. And that kind of, that kind of attitude. Um, very different from sort of the second bout of mental health I had.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, so um, so how, how did you find that group of friends? Was that through societies? Mm, so that or was, was that- almost
1: purely through... I decided that this American football thing wasn't working out for me because of my injury and the kind of people I, to, I wasn't. I wasn't quite gelling with. And then I was like, well, I always said I wanted to do like media and radio, like shooting radio and that kind of stuff. So why not get involved? And the first opportunity I saw was like a CCTV open audition type thing for like their news team. And I was like, yeah, I could do that. Like I'm into my news, like easy. I've been doing West scene scenes since day one, so I can like that's I could do journalism like yeah. student journalism <laughs> um so i did that and then uh the person i did with auditioning with and ended up getting the part with, was the head of news for cc at the time uh, alex smith and then i remember he like a few weeks later invited me to do his radio show with him, and then i sort of just fell into like this this i can tell you exactly where i went i'm in this transfer group but like, you, you like yeah you end up falling into it, you end up just hanging out with them more and then mm-hmm. and, and getting more to then obviously once once a new year comes i then like got elected to the like CCTV committee and then like you're not fully invested and fully involved and you get mm. to like the new year and all the freshers join and you, you get the group and then there's suddenly you're in the middle of this like mad world that is just yeah. unbelievably incredible which is why I've done so many like I've done a couple of talks in like my brother's my brother's school now he's a teacher and I've always been like obviously a degree is really important really good but take this opportunity to do these societies but I've known people who have done random sports on a whim and now represent England in the sport and all that kind of stuff. Like the the experiences you get, you're like, I've had weird drunken taxi ride homes with Radio 1 DJs and like (laughs) like (laughs) all the rest of it. Like I've had these unbelievable experiences that wouldn't have happened if I just didn't just write my name on a bit of paper at a Freshers' Fair. Yeah. Like I can do an online degree or an online course or whatever anywhere, but those experiences are so unique and so individual that if you don't take an opportunity to join us, I think you're missing a trick really.
0: Mm. no i i i I too believe that (laughs) societies have been so core to my university experience like Mm. it is where i met all of my friends it's where i met my best mate now who i've started a company with like (laughs) it's it's all Mm. yeah like my course mates are fine there's like two or three of them that i really like but ultimately <laughs> all we have in common is we just like books um but yeah societies are great and they mm. they have this community innately about them mm. um in that you're choosing to be a part of it um mm. but yeah so then
1: so, with some, so yeah especially when like seven go. hours a week and you don't really get that like, contact you then like i said you're choosing yeah. to be in the studio like 10 hours a week or or going on the social like you're, you're opting into this rather than it falls into a room of
0: 500 people that like books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you you joined the societies and you and you built up that group. What what sort of uh where did that progress to then?
1: Yeah, so then kind of like you were saying earlier, I thought my mental story had finished. I was like, I've been mm-hmm. fine, i had my bad moment, and I'm even better. I've like grown, I've yeah. learned.
0: I, like, I did it. I did I'm, the Twitter run. That was my conclusion. Was the credits rolled. I'm like, done.
1: That's my ending <laughs> monologue and the I this, this the camera panned out and and everything was happy. Um no but then very similarly again it, the way it crept back was subtle it was very small like the moment it started and it sounds so dumb to even say now the moment it started is I got really like screwed over by this like optional module system where it didn't log my choices and I ended up having to like pick what was left and I ended up doing like a module in my third year that I didn't want to do and it was like, a moment of, like whatever like you crack on a bit. but that went into that that final year of uni being just quite negative and being like I don't want to do this module i don't want to do this course cool. like i'm not going to enjoy it like what's the point mm. um which then was like the starting point and then when it really went downhill was i ran for a sabbatical officer position in the union elections
0: okay and
1: they are if there's one thing i would go back to my slight like, you know, union or susu recommend is that there needs to be more yeah. for like mental health support for people in those roles because you have mm. a month of just you Pour your heart and soul into like this idea and this vision and it's like you you've planned it for, like, couple, like I personally decided I was going to run it in the first year like it was like yeah. kind of, you end up making this like your five-year plan like I'm going to get this I'm going to get this job I'm going to save up I'm going to do my masters or whatever yeah and then I lost and it was like the next three years of my life being like ripped from under my feet and I kind of did the same thing I did in first year I was like I didn't want like where and what all your mates are in media and obviously, like. All the election stuff like you probably know from your experience like all the election stuff is so like, media orientated like there's a there's okay. a so conjoined that you like go i don't want to see anyone that was involved in that it is too raw too real and you, know, you end up sort of having this like with this again and that's what i did i was like you know what i'm gonna go study and write my dissertation that's gonna be great and fine and then we had all that lecture strike so then there wasn't even excuse to even go to campus so you're in your room 24 7 just writing and reading and writing and reading and then i had this moment where I think I stayed behind at university for the Easter holidays to mm. try and get work done. I remember the first week of the Easter holidays, I didn't do any work. I was just miserable. I didn't leave my room. I was living like purely on takeaways like five it's, like this week. And every night I cried, like I was in a really bad way. But there was still this voice in the back of my head being like, you know, like, like it's not that bad get out tomorrow and do some work and don't worry about it. and I was like, no, maybe I should go to like the advice centre or some like maybe I should talk to someone professional because that's what I've always told my friends to do or or what mm. people say you should do. And I was like, no, because that's gonna be a waste of time. Uh, you're gonna lose so much time you could be doing on dissertation work that you're not actually doing because mm. you're too sad to do it. And like you end up in this I end up in this cycle being like, No, you're not that bad. You're just feeling that bit shit. Like pick yourself up and 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 do your work. That's the moment I was saying before, Like, if I'd go back in time to a moment and like pop myself out of time machine, and grab myself and be like, what are you doing? It'd be that moment where I'd go back and be like, go see someone and actually get help. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and yeah, so that's the best moment I'd go back and do because what I didn't do was I didn't go get help. And then I continue to have this like underlying level of just feeling awful. And I remember being like, I'm done with this. I want to get out of this, I want to go, I don't care where, I want done, I want out. And it meant like like revising became like this tedious task. of being like, I didn't want to be here and I have to sit here and read and write. And like, mm. you get getting this real funk and this real grumpiness, like grumpiness. And I remember I then got my final results. And I'll be perfectly honest, I got a 2-2 and I was like, well, that's my life over. I want I did 2-1, do my master's. And that's it, like, great, awful. Like, what am I going to do now? Mm. So 59 something don't want to round it up because my third year was that bad like all this and I got I went I went I went off it I sent an email to like, this university I was like this is that like I'm livid and I was like I uh, basically was like I'm going to try and appeal because fundamentally my mental health was crappy this year I was like maybe I can get some special credentials that I take about 59 to 60 and I can get my 2-1 and I remember I had this moment where they agreed to have a meeting with me I went to the vice and I explained it and said like yeah like you have some grounds for like Special consideration because you did have mental health issues, like whatever. And I went into this meeting, being all anger and bluster originally, and I ended up crying in this meeting. And it was the most, the most, the lowest I've ever felt in my life, outside of like family dying, whatever. Like as a personal, like individual moment. I was sat in this mm. this room, this tight room on like Avenue Campus, with someone from like university opposite me, and just bawling my eyes out for like five minutes, mm. and. I remember they said to me, like, almost like, yeah, we'll see what we can do. And then I got an email a few weeks later being like, yeah, nothing we can do because you never actually went and like, got help. But there's no like paper record of it, like, you just turned around and said, I wasn't okay.
0: Yeah. And I remember this moment being like,
1: yeah, I understand. Maybe like you could get people like come and be like, oh, like, here's XYZ excuse why I should get rounded up my grade. I was like, you told me, like, this should be down in front of Like, I'd have to be a pretty impressive actor to like pull that off. <laughs> and it was just a moment of like, God, not only am I kicking myself for not getting help, I'm also almost being like penalized for not getting help. Yeah. And I'm already in a low place. And it was just double this like weird mindset of being like, you're such an idiot on so many levels now. And you almost, I spent like a strong month of beating myself up, being like, you have now not got this opportunity of a master you wanted because you decided that you weren't going to get help. And it was all like, I had this mental battle of being like, you're such an idiot. Like, on top of this like depression, I ended up blaming myself for not getting help. And it was just, yeah, it was just this, just this moment of like, I, it's hard to like verbalise, but it was like, I had this double whammy of not only was I had some dodgy mental health, I was then like victimising myself for it. Yeah. Because I'd been turned around and told, oh, because you didn't get help, it wasn't real. And it's like, what? And it was just, I, I, even now I struggle to really verbalise it. Yeah. Like, what a weird things we told in a way?
0: Well, especially... Because if you when you're going through it, you're like, well, it's not that bad, it's okay. Mm. Like I'm just, it's just for X, Y, Z reason. Mm. And then you're finally coming to this conclusion of being like, no, like I wasn't okay. I'm still not okay. I need to go get help. Yeah. And the reason it's I didn't get help was because my life.
1: I got so bad. I was like, I'm gonna go home for a month and work there.
0: Mm.
1: So then, where, what was the process gonna be? I went home and recovered because I went home and talked to my parents about it. But yeah. like, because I didn't talk to someone from university about it, then it wasn't legit. It was really odd, weird. Mentality of like, I did the wrong thing, but the right thing, but also the wrong
0: thing. The right thing for you, but the wrong thing in the eyes of the unit Yeah.
1: And it was this moment that I was just like, fine. And I like, mm. I a really satiated. I'll like, whatever, like, thanks for that type <laughs> thing. And then, like I said to you at the start, that's when I went, right, well, objectively, you're doing a lot better now because you had this ability to go. I had a really hard when I said, like, I did cry and I did kind of learn it all out and I did speak about it finally. And at this moment, the like, weight was lifted and almost. Had this moment of like, well, there's nothing I could do about it now, so push on and and, and create your own like destiny in a way. Like I've been such a five year planner, and that's all gone so down the plug hole And a part of that was because of bad mental health, and like, because I didn't speak about it, and I didn't get help. And it was this real moment. I went, right, now you know, if you are in a bad way, you should talk to someone, regardless of what it means, because not only could it help you personally, help you professionally, and like mm. the rest of it. And then, as moment of like, right, well, you're now no longer stuck on this rails of university master's job you can now go like create your own life and like you guys have gone and created a company like incredible like (laughs) i decided i'm gonna try and sneak my way through without a master and the rest of it so that was a real moment of like it's kind of like not your usual mental health story i feel like it's like this weird moment of self-help where it's like you did stuff you did you 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 did like sort of mess it up in the eyes of a professional university mindset you also did manage to help yourself in a way and you did manage to talk to friends and family and they helped you through it. So even yeah. though, yeah, you haven't got that extra two marks on your degree, you are a better, more well-rounded, mentally healthier person. And I think since then, sorry, I think since then, no, 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 like every, okay. time I've, every time I've had like a bad moment, I've always been really quick to talk about it. Yeah. And I felt like that's gonna be something that's gonna stay with me for the rest of my life, where I'm, nev- I'm never gonna hesitate again. I'm never gonna have that moment of like, it's not that bad because no matter how mm. bad it is, it's always still worth talking to someone about it. Like mm. if you have a cold or a headache, you're not going to sit there for days and have that headache. You're going to take it out of dinner or you're going to do something quick. And sometimes just having a little chat over a pint with someone being like, yeah, I've had a bit of a rough couple of days, but like I feel like I'm doing okay now. And they're like, oh, like, well, yeah. like that kind of stuff is like the sort of paracetamol of mental health. If that's, <laughs> if that's, the, if that's the phrase. And I think like, The the learning process I've had and the reason I like to chat to you guys about it is that like even the smallest things can spiral quickly and even if you think it's not even worth talking about there's always a reason to talk about it whether it's personal or professional, but there's always a reason to come on and be like hey mate I'm not doing great can we chat about it yeah yeah exactly you're okay (laughs) it's when I saw the first episode post on Facebook I was like yes this I'm all about <laughs> this um and yeah that's kind of my mental health journey up until now um to, to sort of give you your your conclusion <laughs>
0: <laughs> no that was that was really lovely that was a really nice conclusion as well um because I think I think that's a really valuable lesson to take and it's, it's certainly it's not one that I've yet learned and it's it's nice. something that I think I'll take away now is that um because there, there are almost some parallels between your, you know, as you put it sort of the first time and the second time, mm. right. And that you found yourself reclusive and, and drawing yourself away from people and staying in your room and only eating takeaways. And so, do you know mm. what I mean? Like there's, there's almost some parallels there. And um, yeah, I, I think absolutely. it's It's about watching out for those signs. Even if you're not feeling like you're in a bad place, if you can spot those signs, there's probably something going on, mm. you know? And and there's no harm in talking about it. There's no harm in saying, "Hey, I'm, I'm not feeling too great. Can we go have a chat? Let's go get a mm-hmm. coffee. Can I unload a bit on you?"
1: It's always become like a part of my everyday like vernacular. Like I remember when obviously all this pandemic stuff kicked off. One well, of the first things I did yeah. was like, I was like, "Right, who are all my friends in London? I'm gonna throw us all a group chat and be like, if anyone ever needs a chat during this, because I already could tell this is going to be a bit of a crappy time." Yeah. Um, just pop it in this chat, and we'll we'll meet at in the park, or we'll, we'll have a Zoom call. or We'll do something. Yeah. Because I was very much like I know how quickly once you're on your own, on your own, this can spiral. Yeah. So I was trying to almost try and nip it in the bud for my friends. and be
0: like, You can. <laughs> like this. It's not a big deal. It, we're all gonna. I'm be gonna spot together. you. I'm like, gonna I'm, spot I'm, you. I'm I'm, I am going to spot i can not
1: see you, but I'm already <laughs> on it.
0: <laughs> no, that's that's really really lovely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Tom. Um, it's been a really really great chat.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed um, it. If,
0: have you got anything to plug before we go?
1: Have I got anything to plug?
0: The Mr. Bean um, YouTube channel in. I mean, if anyone
1: is if anyone's looking for a social media manager, hit me up. <laughs> um, but no, like keep watching and listening to you know your okay man. It's a great podcast. I wouldn't be here otherwise. Hell yeah. <laughs> keep looking out, keep looking out for all their great content. Follow the Instagram, it's hilarious. Is it uh... <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> all the weird POVs are um, here for it?
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, I'm I'm so happy with how they look. They're great. Awesome. <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us Tom and uh, thank you guys at home for listening Uh, I've been Elliot and I've been Tom thanks and (laughs) goodbye thanks for listening please remember that none of us are professionals and if you are struggling please seek advice from your local GP or from any of the charities I'll leave in the description if you want to see what else we're up to check us out at Jesting Dog Productions on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube